Edelstein remembered every coveted screw of the German toys. With his father, he left Kiev in the spring and returned to Minsk. The mud, frozen into peaks, was melting. The train carriage reeked of urine, and the dirt seeped through their shoelaces into their socks. And the language was lost, murdered. The language, the museum. Of what other language can it be said that it died a sudden and definite death in a given decade, on a given piece of soil. Where are the speakers of ancient Etruscan? Who was the last man to write a poem in Linear B? Attrition, assimilation, death by mystery, not gas. The last Etruscan walks around inside some Sicilian. Western civilization, that pod of muck, lingers on and on. The sick man of Europe with his big globe head, rotting, but at home in bed. Yiddish, a littleness, a tiny light, oh, little holy light. Dead, vanished, perished, sent into darkness. This was Edelstein's subject. On this subject he lectured for a living. He swallowed scraps. Synagogues, community centers, labor unions underpaid him to suck on the bones of the dead, smoke. He traveled from borough to borough, suburb to suburb, mourning in English the death of Yiddish. Sometimes he tried to read one or two of his poems. At the first Yiddish word, the painted old ladies of the Reformed temples would begin to titter from shame, as at a stand-up television comedian. Orthodox and conservative men fell instantly asleep. So he reconsidered and told jokes. Before the war, there was held a great international Esperanto convention. It met in Geneva. Esperanto scholars, doctors of letters, learned men, came from all over the world to deliver papers on the genesis, syntax, and functionalism of Esperanto. Some spoke of the social value of an international language, others of its beauty. Every nation on earth was represented among the lecturers. All the papers were given in Esperanto. Finally, the meeting was concluded, and the tired great men wandered companionably along the corridors, where at last they began to converse casually among themselves in their international language. No, was macht Aid? After the war, a funeral cortege was moving slowly down a narrow street on the Lower East Side. The cars had left the parking lot behind the chapel in the Bronx and were on their way to the cemetery in Staten Island. Their route took them past the newspaper offices of the last Yiddish daily left in the city. There were two editors, one to run the papers off the press and the other to look out the window. The one looking out the window saw the funeral procession passing by and called to his colleague, Hey, Muddle, print one less! But... Both Edelstein and his audiences found the jokes worthless. Old jokes. They were not the right kind. They wanted jokes about weddings, spiral staircases, doves flying out of cages, bashful medical students, and he gave them funerals. To speak of Yiddish was to preside over a funeral. He was a rabbi who had survived his whole congregation. Those for whom his tongue was no riddle were specters. The new temple scared Edelstein. He was afraid to use the word shul in these palaces. Inside, vast mock bronze tablets, mobiles of outstretched hands rotating on a motor, gigantic dangling tetragrammatons and transparent plastic-like chandeliers, 
Platforms, altars, daises, pulpits, aisles, pews, polished oak bins for prayer books printed in English with made-up new prayers in them. Everything smelled of wet plaster. Everything was new. The refreshment tables were long and luminous. He saw glazed cakes, snow heaps of egg salad, herring, salmon, tuna, whitefish, gefilte fish, pools of sour cream, silver electric coffee urns, bowls of lemon slices, pyramids of bread, wafer-like teacups from the black forest, Indian brass trays of hard cheeses, golden bottles set up in rows like nine pins, great sculptured butter birds, Hansel and Gretel houses of cream cheese and fruitcake, bars, butlers, fat napery, carpeting deep as honey. He learned their terms.